0: Welcome to Two Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod. My co-host, who is actually not in the same room with me this week, is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, how you doing down in D.C.?
1: I'm doing well. How's it, how's it going up there? This is our first recording not in the same room, and I have to say I, I miss it. I, I, I enjoyed it when we're in the same place.
0: Yeah, it also is easier to troubleshoot the recording when you're in the same place, uh, As we've been kind of at this for an hour trying to figure out how to just get our voices recorded, but we've got it now, and I'm excited about this episode. This is a big, big week for the Hokies. We have the last home game for Frank, as we know, and I'm ready to do a shot, and you probably have a cheers along those lines, so don't let me take the words out of your mouth.
1: All right. Well, unfortunately, I've lost my train of thought because, like you said, we've been at this for an hour. Like, it don't, nobody can ever say that we don't try hard for our for our listeners because this has been an, a disaster, but it's well worth it for for people to enjoy this. So, I'll get right into uh, my shot on the spot. This is the week. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming, and I don't mean that with respect that it should have happened sooner. I just mean it. Like 20, 29 years. That's a Long, long time for somebody to be there. And the home game, it's all of our jobs, whether you're going to the game or not, to be supportive and be excited and be you know, uh, good fans about what's about to happen this Saturday. So Frank Beamer, I think he has uh, even more class than all of us even knew or came to appreciate until you were a part of the last few weeks, and I think a lot of the the national commentators haven't really paid as much attention in the recent years because we haven't been a big program, but I think people are starting to take a step back and realize what's happening, and it's something historic in more ways than just performance on the field. It's historic in a way that he ran a program, uh, and a solid program, and took care of his players and his assistant coaches and develop them. So I'm probably not doing him enough justice, but hats off to probably one of the greatest people we'll get to be around in a football atmosphere. So let's do a cheers to, to Mr. Frank Beamer.
0: Cheers to Frank. Cheers. Ooh. All right. Well, I want to talk about how electric it's going to be down in Blacksburg this weekend, and we'll get to that, but we want to talk about what happened on Thursday night against Georgia Tech because that was pretty sweet. We had a couple of things uh, going on this week, though. It turned out that we didn't get game day to come for Frank, which is obviously a bummer. They're going to go to Columbus, Ohio for the Ohio State-Michigan State game this weekend instead. Uh, I mean, how can you not want to see UNC at Virginia Tech? I mean, that's obviously a better game.
1: <laughs> uh, well, we had, we suspected that this was going to the, be the case. It ended up being the case. I think we there was a valiant effort, starting with Joe and the Key Plague guys, to try and make this happen. Enough so that we got a video from all the Game Day folks, from Reese and, uh, and Kirk, um, about you know the fact that they're not coming
0: yeah that was pretty cool i was they didn't have to do that um obviously it's it's an okay consolation prize i suppose but it was cool of them to do it
1: yeah and it's tough there was a lot of good matchups you yeah, know we all thought that they may end up picking one of the others but I I did want to get – and I know we have some other news and notes. I wanted to get a quick thought from you because I've been mulling this over in my mind. And I was thinking about it in the car sitting in traffic in D.C., which is lovely. It took me an hour to go almost five, ten miles to tonight. Uh, the Nooner game, um, do you think that's a slight against us or – because of the heavy lineup of games, which I was looking at, I mean, the slate is packed in in terms of top 25 matchups. Do you think the Nooner game was actually a way to hopefully have p- more people tune in uh, to the game? Because if it was in any of the other slots, I think we would have got everybody's going to tune into the top 25. So the Nooner is usually a slight, but I feel yeah. like for this game, it might have actually been kind of a l- little bit of a hat tip because more people will be able to to tune in.
0: Well, I will say week after week it seems that there are no good games at noon so mm-hmm. it would be nice if there was a game i actually wanted to watch and maybe most of america would think that as well so if they see you know a top 20 unc going up against a legend like frank beamer in his last home game that is a worthy watch and the offenses for both teams is are pretty decent so yeah i mean we, this will probably lead to more views because it's not at 3:30 and it's not at 8 um, in terms of how many people would actually watch it, it, it still probably won't be a great number because it isn't noon and people are trying to get stuff done on Saturdays. But yeah. whatever. We do have some new unis for the next two games, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and we're going to be wearing black uniforms at high noon, which is kind of weird. It's like you would feel like black uniforms would be better for a night game, and maybe that's what they thought was going to happen. But it Pete, didn't.
1: Pete. We keeps it 100. That's all I know is that is how we do it. We keeps it 100 right here.
0: Those black uniforms uh, are pretty sweet. I really like them. I like the orange accents. They obviously I think remind us all a little bit of the Boise State uniforms when we played them at FedEx and that didn't turn out so well. So hopefully we can put a better taste in our mouths with these black uniforms. And then we're going to go retro against UVA, which I really like the way those look as well. I mean, as far as the uniforms have gone the last few years, like these are two of the best I can remember. I, I remember a lot of duds, so these are these are nice.
1: Anybody that's talking smack on the uniforms, that's fine if you don't like them, but the fact is in the commentary that came out, Beamer said he was going to do the players wanted them and Beamer said if the players want them, then I'm totally cool with it. So, if you got a problem with it, that's more than fine. You can have your opinion, but also shut your pie hole because if Beamer Beamer's cool with it, then we're all cool with it. It's his game. So if he's fine with his
0: players getting the black uniforms, then we're all going to roll with it. Agreed. Agreed. So let's let's talk about this Georgia Tech game because, like you, I'm sure – I mean, I know I was stressing out uh, early on. We exchanged a few texts, and it wasn't going so well. And maybe we'll do it like this. Maybe I'll uh, – I mean, I'll go over – let me go over the bad, and then I'll let you do some of the good. This game was sloppy as hell. And it was a game for the Hokies of just overcoming mistakes. And for both teams, we're overcoming mistakes the whole time because it was so sloppy. And we happened to just outlast them and win the game. And I do think we're a better team, and that's probably why that happened. But we played terrible defense in the first quarter. Cam had that awful fumble right as we were starting to gain some momentum. The pick six, the missed field goal, the missed extra point, Eight penalties, including multiple jumps offsides, to give Georgia Tech first downs, and then the hit out of bounds by Dan Clark, which could have killed us at the end of the game. That those amount of wow, mistakes you that got happened, through that pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, can you believe we won the game? When you hear all those things back again, it, that, it's just unreal.
1: I freaked out during the first quarter, overly so. But I, I was just very—I I think I said to to you this week. It's very hard watching people play on behalf of Frank and the legacy, right? So, when I saw that first quarter and the first of all the pass, the, what was that? A fifty-six yard pass on the second play of the game, and I mean we just oh, got know. we just got hosed on that one. Not hosed in a bad, but we just did not. We weren't prepared for that whatsoever. Not at which all. Yeah. Was, and it was a it was a sloppy sloppy game and Brewer didn't have the best day, you know, 15 for 29. He had 178 yards, a pick six, which is never great.
0: Yeah. And that pick six in particular was
1: a bad one. (laughs) It was, I don't know. I, I I will never know if Bucky yeah. was like overrunning his route because Bucky was five yards from the ball. If he overran his route or Brewer, Brewer just said completely he got caught had a brain like fart. in
0: between. Basically yeah. he said like he was trying to go deeper and then he didn't see the guy, like obviously he didn't see the defender and he just kind of got caught in between the two routes. And that, that play had like Bucky and it might've been cam like doing like a weave. Yeah. And later in the game, Cam caught that for that long game down the sideline. So that play, he did know how to run it, but on that, he just, yeah, he obviously just, it was a, it was a stinker. There's no other way. It was just a stinker and it could have cost us the game. I mean, the defense played so well after the first quarter, that was the only points Georgia tech got was that pick six.
1: Yeah. And we, the way that we're playing cam Phillips fumble, and we're going to hit some of the negatives because we'll get into the positives. The Cam Phillips fumble. I appreciate the extra, you know, the second effort. Yeah, I appreciate that. But if you're going to make second effort, then you hold on to the ball. Because that was the second effort. He could have been just tackled and taken that nice catch and that nice play for first down and just gone to the ground. But if you're going to put, you got to put your money where your mouth is. If you're going to go second effort, then you hold on to the ball.
0: No doubt. I mean, that I was when that happened, I was just like, we just had something going. You know, and it was ripped from us. And you know, kudos to Cam because later in the game, and throughout the game, he six catches for ninety-five yards, both career highs for him. I mean, did he totally redeem himself? In the words of uh, Dumb and Dumber, absolutely. <laughs> did
1: how? But I thought it was interesting. Did you see how fired up Frank Beamer was on the sidelines? I haven't seen him that angry. Oh, he was pissed. yeah. he was screaming and. That just goes to show, right? He doesn't have retirement on his mind. He is winning on his mind. It's kind of one of the things that we talked about about Frank. Is as soon as that play happened, he was not happy whatsoever. And I, you know, he came over. He had some words with Cam. Probably all uh, not as bad as maybe some other coaches were. But he let him yeah. know that that's not acceptable. I don't think he gave the him the
0: Jim McElwain or Brian no. Kelly <laughs> angry side. <laughs> but he probably gave him a little talking to. Why don't you uh what did you think was passage. good about the game like what what did you see from our team that that you enjoyed
1: I'm gonna take through a couple of them and feel free to jump in uh one uh trayvon and it's this is not a repeat episode. this actually is a new recording, but it's trayvon again uh, man did it again one hundred and thirty five yards on twenty four carries very well should break a thousand yards uh this season uh with two guaranteed games left with the third. Um, I think he could, you know, he, he definitely should be in the bag. He has six games uh, this year so far with at least 95 yards. And I know that's a weird statistic, but he had a 98-yard game against Furman, a 96 against NC State, and a 99 against Miami. So if people like to talk about 100-yard games. I think that's uh, games. I think it's worth talking about 95-yard games. Uh, because no, I he's agree. Had, <laughs> he's had six of them. Um, I thought Trayvon... He did it again. This kid is a stud.
0: You texted me during the game. You're like, he just is finding holes that aren't there. And he was sliding, but he he ran
1: through one hole sideways. that like, he like shimmied through a hole with his like shoulder. And uh, I was like, what? This kid can find holes anywhere. It was impressive.
0: That's what I always see with Trayvon. When that's what makes him like much more hard to tackle And breaks tackles that way is he's always kind of like the way he angles his body through holes and just around defenders. It's very slight. Like it doesn't really look like he's doing a lot, but it's almost like he's probably a good dancer because the guy can move his hips and his shoulders like really well as as he's going top speed. Like it's really impressive to watch.
1: I always think the same thing cause, and then he just kind of falls forward and gets 3 extra 2 extra yards and it looks like he's doing nothing when he's in in crowd you know crowded areas and then all of a sudden he just emerges and he's three yards further than you thought he was going to get. And you're like, heck, I'll take that every time.
0: Absolutely. And that's the thing that our running backs used to be great at. David Wilson was always doing that. And he wasn't the best at finding the holes all the time. But Wilson was constantly getting three, four more yards than he should have. And same with Ryan Williams. And that's what we're saying from Trayvon. And it makes me really happy. Uh, Yeah. Next on it's, my
1: list was Cam Phillips, uh, you know, six catches, 95 yards that puts him up over the 500-yard mark. I thought that was, he. like you said, after the fumble, you saw him on the sidelines where he was just kind of shaking his head, and he saw, after Georgia Tech scored, he was, he was livid with himself that he was the one that laid the ball on the ground, and then he made up for it later on. So I thought... He had a good game. Isaiah Ford, five catches, forty-six yards. He put up another TD. That's eight on the season. Um, he'll probably end up somewhere, you know, depending on you know what happens in these last two games, around eight fifty-ish, I think, in, in in total receiving yards. And if depending he got, on the bowl
0: game, if he gets those, if he gets one or two more touchdowns, he's going to tie and then break the touchdown record for the season, right? Uh, Freeman right. and Davis's record. They both had nine and he's got eight. So he's just two away from being the single season TD reception leader uh, in tech history, which is pretty amazing uh, for only being a sophomore. Um, I wanted to just harp on the defense for a second here. Uh, After the first quarter, they only gave up 128 yards. They had given up 130 in the first quarter. So they they had done less in the last three quarters in that first quarter. And they really clamped down. And there was obviously some adjustments made by Foster in the way he was sending Moto to the ball. And French did a really good article on it, on the key play, detailing basically what Foster did. And some of the defense's success, as French pointed out, was CPJ, uh, Paul Johnson, kept running – the option to, I believe it was the boundary instead of the field, like over and over and over again. And that's what option coaches like to do, French said. But it just became very predictable. And once Foster made that adjustment, like they couldn't do anything.
1: The defense held their rushing attack to 161 yards. This was a offense that is, first of all, it's Paul Johnson. It's on the ground. I think their average per game is about 257. There's some cakes in there as well. But – I thought that was impressive in its own right. The way nobody's able to shut down the way that we have in the past four to five years. That Paul Johnson triple option on the ground. It's actually we have figured it impressive. out better than
0: many other of the schools on the schedule who play them every year as well. We've we had won four to five before this game and gave away the last game. I, I, I said that in our last episode that we just gave away the game last year. Otherwise, we this would be like five or six in a row. I think against them, we, like we have our defense. Bud has figured out how to stop that offense, and if he if they do have success, he does what he does in this game and makes the proper adjustments.
1: How are you feeling about Moto? All of a sudden, this, this oh, guy man. he took more <laughs> flack from everybody, I, and uh, us included. We gave him a little bit of flack in his tough games, absolutely, and. Comes back with half sack, two tackles for a loss, six tackles. It's no, he like had 12,
0: 12 tackles in this. Thing. Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah, total. And and then what What was the force fumble count for him? I think it was you – know, Well, I think Daddy had the one. <laughs> three run, on the year? I think he
0: had the – well, yeah. he's He had one in the pit game. I mean, he had the BC. I mean, yeah, he's done – he's used – the nice thing about Moto is, and we always said we liked his size and we liked his speed. And both were on full display against Georgia tech. Like he was like a missile coming in the backfield on a couple of those plays. And that's what he is great at when he's uninhibited by his assignment, I guess is the best way to say that when he knows exactly where to go. It's like, it's, he's going to meet you there real fast. And he was aggressive and that's, what's great. That's when he's great. And we said he's Jekyll and Hyde. Like that's what we said last week. He's, We've seen good games, and then after we've seen a good game, we think he's turning the corner. All of a sudden, the next game, he looks lost again. So I'm hoping he doesn't look lost this week, but this was one of those games where this game in BC, he way more good than bad, way, way more good. Like like we said, 12 tackles, and just fast, aggressive, decisive. It was, it was really nice to see.
1: Yeah, I thought uh... – Daddy, he's actually recovered a fumble, I think, in the last both the last two games, um, and he's been on the spot, forcing you know a lot of tough plays for people. I just thought the defense, you know, Nigel Williams played well in this game. The, the defense played, I thought, very very well that first yeah, quarter. You, if you throw that out
0: for sure, like you just mentioned, Nigel, and then there was guys like Riley, Donovan Riley was doing his assignment great. We saw some of Tremaine Edmonds, Anthony Chigag at whip. Uh, it's just good to see the guys and the backups like contributing to an all-around great effort through those last three quarters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I so think over, uh,
1: overall the positives I think were were many. Especially if you could cut out that first quarter, I think it would be a nice in the trenches, grinded out game. That first quarter, I think. It was ugly. I was scared. I was scared. uh, I gotta be honest. But after that, they just locked it down, and I was really impressed.
0: I just had three quick hitters, I guess, on our outro here. We outrushed an option team, which I think needs to be noted. (laughs) We we ran for 165. They ran for 161. The O-line had a very good game. Only gave up four tackles for a loss and the one sack. And our defense now, although they've had what we would call a, a tough year is number twenty two overall nationally in total defense and number seven in pass defense. And now we just played an option team, so that might not be fair. But they had almost as many yards passing as they did rushing. Uh and if you look at our last six games in yards per play, we would be like right around a top twenty five defense and right around a top fifteen defense in yards given up per game over our last six games. So that's a nice stretch of solid defensive play, and I'm excited about this UNC game because we are going to need them to step up for sure.
1: How about, do you want to do a uh, quick beer yeah, break? Let's, do, let's you, do
0: a beer break. Uh, what are you drinking over on your end?
1: On my end, down here in the southern country in comparison to where you are, I, I'm on the double uh, Simcoe, I think it, it is called. It's a double IPA. It's from... Uh, Weyerbacher, which is out of I believe Easton, Pennsylvania, is this first beer that I have. It's it's good. It's um yeah. It's not the best uh, double IPA I've had, but it, it's kind of enjoyable. And I've burned through a lot of them on this podcast, so I'm kind of running out of options in some respects. <laughs> so what about uh, what about you?
0: A couple weeks ago, I went out and got a I like a sampler pack of the Goose. Island, um, and it's a Chicago beer and it's great. I mean, I, I really enjoy goose Island beers. At least I think it's Chicago. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but, uh, but yeah, this goose IPA is great. 5.9% alcohol. It's really crisp. Yeah. It's Chicago. And, um, uh, it's been in my parents' fridge now for a little while and, but it's tasty. I like this IPA. Yeah. It's just, just goose IPA is what it's called. And it's good. Kind of like got a little bit of a citrus taste to it and uh, it's enjoyable
1: by the way pete you you know you have a beautiful home right because i get to look at you on (laughs) on the camera
0: i know i'm in my dad's office and there's like all their like wedding pictures and stuff in here
1: i'm getting i'm getting the scenic uh route for me I don't know what's wrong with my computer, but like the camera is angled up, so you get to see my face and the ceiling. I think that is, but <laughs> yeah, I get to I'm see seeing. you. And yeah. <laughs> Apple, Apple obviously makes better products than Dell because your camera is in a place that I can actually see behind you. Mine's shooting up at the ceiling. So um, should
0: we, um, should we get into this UNC? I mean, I, I'm I'm actually like, although I'm a little scared of this team, I'm ex- like, I'm just excited to talk about this game because. We're both gonna be there and they're nine and one and a top twenty team, which we haven't faced, you know, a lot of quality teams this year, and they seem to be that. So I'm just pumped about this.
1: Yeah, I think we should get into it. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a, a quick other other
0: beer and then why don't sure, we let me, I'm going right to into Larry it. Larry Fedora for a second while you get up.
1: <laughs> wow. Wait a <laughs> second. I have to be able to hear this, so let's okay. go break-break for a second.
0: Okay, okay. The coach at UNC is Larry Fedora. This is his fourth season there, and it's kind of interesting because just this week his name kind of popped up as a coaching candidate for our job at Virginia Tech. And I think we mentioned his name on our coaching candidates just like in passing because it was kind of rumored but now it's like it's Fuente and Fedora are like two of the top candidates isn't that kind of crazy I
1: that's Fuente we knew right and I I love that guy I think he well uh, let me do, are we going to go there because yeah we, no, we don't have
0: to really go there I just thought it was Fu- interesting Fuente hear, first of all I think yeah.
1: nobody can say anything bad about that guy he's had a tremendous season he's recruiting against really some power SEC conferences and i think he's a stand up guy and i think that he could do well with on our system and it has a lot of the same you know Kind of values, beliefs, and wants to be could be a part of our program and fit very well and plus he's he's working with like two and three stars uh, on uh, their recruiting has not been that good, and he's developing players punched old old miss in the mouth this year last year he almost beat a good u c l a team, so I kind of like that rumor the fedora redo- rumor just came out of nowhere I really didn't expect that and yeah
0: he's like kind of established himself there now, and he's <laughs> Every year, you know, we hear about how UNC is going to be good, and they, they keep disappointing, keep disappointing. And now, all of a sudden, they're having, like, their first good year against a weak schedule, I might add. And all of a sudden, he's going to jump to Virginia Tech. Like, I, you know, I'm not sure I buy that. Now, he might want to get out of there because of the sanctions. And there's no doubt in my mind that Tech's a better job than UNC simply because that's a basketball school. And at Tech, if you're the football coach, you're number one. You're not going to always be number two. So from – from his perspective, sanctions looming and whatever else, like, sure, he, I'm sure he wants to come to Tech, but I don't think it's a terrible fit. I just, I'm not sure I want to see Fedora as our coach, but let me just give you a little background. He uh, was a coach at Southern Miss for a little bit, uh, I think about four years there. He took him to a 12-2 and record in 2011 and 20th in the final AP poll that season, and that's when he was hired at UNC. Before his Southern Miss days, he was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State with, uh, under Mike Gundy, and he was at Florida before that, I think in the Ron Zook years. And he's a spread offense guy. He's an offensive guy first, and uh, we know that he brought in Gene Chizik to help shore up that UNC defense that was having a hard time last year, and that seems to have been a good hire. And we'll get to the defense in a minute, but I wanted to talk about that spread offense that they run first.
1: Oh goodness! And oh goodness! Are you, high... are you about to? Are you about to just rip on Fedora?
0: No, no, I mean I, I think that he's done a really good job this year, but I don't think it hurts that he has a senior quarterback who is so athletic and just a really solid player overall. We saw it last year, and a weak schedule, and you can't if you have a weak schedule. And you have a senior quarterback with the ability of Marquise Williams. You're you should do well.
1: I mean, no. You, well, first of all, they also have Elijah Hood, who we recruited. and We recruited the heck out of, and we lost uh, yeah, on him. True. And he pulled them in. Elijah Hood's a running. That kid's a running back. He's a he's a good running back. So I, if, if, you, I'll let you spout off your stuff. I I'm not a fan of the. I'll be quite honest. I'm not a fan of going that direction. I also think people and the committee and everybody wants to put down UNC, and I think some of that is fair based on their schedule. I think some of it's unfair because guess what? If Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech were living up to their name this year, then guess what? UNC's strength of schedule would have been much improved. And
0: I hear you on that. You can only play who's on your schedule, and I get it. But you know who they played? They played South Carolina, and they lost, and it wasn't pretty and no that was a fedora that
1: was a fedora problem because yeah. elijah hood should have been running you saw all the interceptions and things yep. like that that was really terrible that was a larry fedora problem
0: and i think someone said that um on the key play someone was like fedora has a tendency to go away from what's you know buttering his bread like and we we've seen that in the matchups against us we're like man if they kept doing that we'd be screwed but they stopped doing it and remember they kept throwing in um I think it was Trubisky the, the backup quarterback for series last year and it's yep. like what are you doing like why like it's like when we throw in Motley for a couple crappy plays it's like what are you doing just play Marquise Williams he's your best quarterback just play him the whole time like thank you but what the heck are you doing um but let's let's talk about their offense because they have been very good the last two games they've had 125 points which I think set an ACC record for back-to-back ACC games they played Duke and Miami and dropped 66 and 59 on those two teams. It's it was ridiculous. They're 20th in total offense, but they're number 2 in the nation in yards per play, which I found hard to believe like cuz I thought they ran a lot of plays, but they're number 2. So they make the most of every play, 7.59 yards per play. So every play they're getting almost 8 yards. That's insane.
1: Yeah, it's pretty incredible uh, what they have been able to do. I'll let you I'll let you keep going. I have my thought cuz we're on the same page. I I started I wrote down a lot of notes here. I'd love to hear yours and then I'll go into mine about UNC because I think their rank plays in a lot both, you know, whether it's a college committee or whatever. It plays in a lot to this game uh in some respects because well, let me let me I want to hear you out first. I want to give you, well, you know, your all chance I want to, to say, talk like, about it.
0: We, we we talked a little bit about Marquise Williams, and I don't really have I don't want to go too deep into his numbers, but he completes 66 percent of his passes. Since the first game against South Carolina, he had three interceptions in that game. He's only had four since. He's got twenty five total TDs. He runs almost as well as he passes, six point nine yards per carry and nine touchdowns on the ground. Uh, his QBR, which I know not everyone's a fan of QBR, it's a it's you know the ESPN metric of a quarterback one through a hundred, and he's at eighty-two point six compared to Brewer, who's at sixty-nine point three. Like eighty-two point six is a really really good QBR. Like he is playing efficient football, and like you said, they have other weapons. They have Switzer and they have Hood, and their offensive line has given up like only a sack per game. Their top Fifteen in the country and fewest sacks given up, and they're top ten in the country and fewest tackles for loss given up. So they are protecting Williams. They're opening up holes for he and Hood, and it's just a very, very solid offensive group.
1: This team, I 100% agree with everything that you said. This team, and we'll get into the you know their the negatives and you know some of the things with their defense. But they were ranked 23. I think that's a load of shit. They were yep.
0: 23. In the last
1: Last committee ranked. And then they moved up, and now they're, what, ranked 17? They're 17 now, yeah. Which is still an embarrassment. That is, and I know their schedule is trash, but so is Iowa's. And Iowa's undefeated, and actually Iowa almost lost, you know, at least two games. And they're undefeated, and they're ranked, what, five? And you have UNC, who's dominating their opponents against the same kind of yeah, this is our program included. This is the ACC included. If it's the same type of trash, then guess what? Their dirty laundry is the same as our dirty laundry, and they have one win that they probably or one loss on UNC side that just as easily could have been the same loss for Iowa. But you have Iowa ranked, I think, you know, six or five now. So I think it's just a little. It's not. It, it just doesn't make any sense that they are playing this well they're blowing out their opponents yes they had a week out of conference schedule they need to fix that period that needs to happen but a lot of people are learning that lesson Baylor is learning that lesson yeah the whole Uh, the
0: whole big 12
1: Right. So out-of-conference is not a new theme for— or week-out-of-conference schedule is not a new theme for athletic directors and coaches to have to fix. So you look at what their body of work is, and no, none of those names jump out at you and make you think that this team is that good. What does is the fact that they should be undefeated. And what the reason I think the committee is ranking them where they are, and this might be a contested argument, is because of Fedora, because they should be undefeated. There is, I watched that game, the the, the, the South Carolina-UNC game, they should have won. They threw three, what was it, two or three picks in the end zone. They stopped running Elijah Hood. It was incredible. So I think there is a uh, lack of confidence amongst the committee in Larry Fedora, which ties into your point, Pete, which is why I am not, I don't want him as our coach because those were stupid, really stupid mistakes. Everybody that watched that game was like, what the hell are you doing? So I'm going to, in a full circle, agree with you. And I think it's because I I think the expertise of a committee of how – Uh, low rank they are. They should be, I think right around rank 10, but they're not because I don't think the committee has confidence in Larry Fedora.
0: Sure. And that's possible. And I don't want to make this into a UNC versus Iowa thing or UNC versus any of those top 25, because we just want to, we want to talk about UNC and, and some of it we can just do by our eye test. Like UNC is a good football team, but part of me is when I think about who they've played and when they've played them, like they couldn't have caught Georgia Tech at a better time. Like, if Georgia Tech was floundering at that point in the season, Georgia Tech's actually been playing better recently. The They caught Pitt, like, after uh, a point in the season where I felt Pitt wasn't playing its best football. The Duke and Miami t- time. I mean, Miami fired their coach. Duke has fallen apart since that disaster against Miami. Like, it, they have, not only have they played not great teams, but they've been catching these teams at the perfect times to wipe the floor with them. And I guess that's convenient to say for me because I'm kind of I'm kind of going the opposite way, and I don't feel that UNC is as good as its record. Um, but they do have a very good offense, and I just didn't know if you had any maybe final points about their offense you wanted to say before we move on to their defense.
1: Yeah, I think you know for us, I think they have they have four wide receivers that are between 400 and 600 yards. So we, I know we talked in ECU when we were talking about spreading the ball around and having you know wide receiver talent. They have four wide receivers that have between four hundred and six hundred yards. That is not great for our <laughs> our cornerbacks no. and our 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 backfield because yeah, that means they can pick off our weaknesses a lot easier than everybody else can. Ryan Switzer may be the safety valve, but. Um, He's awesome. I guess he's his, a really good player. Absol- no, he absolutely is. But, uh, you know, Hollins, and I'm not going to go through his full name as it's listed because it's way too much, uh, he's the deep threat. I mean, he has caught some, some long balls, and he actually, I think, is ahead of Switzer in, in total—oh, no, sorry, the uh, Weltmack, sorry— uh, Jesus, it's uh, I think it's Jesus, uh, Matt Collins, is the deep threat. Uh, his like yards per catch are, I think it's like 17, 18, 19 yards per catch. So then you have Ryan Switzer at 37 catches for, I think he's at 550 yards with four TDs. Then you have Mac, who's at 22 catches for 585 yards and seven TDs. Everybody talks about Ryan Switzer, though which I thought was is kind of interesting because he's not the number one producer this year in, in wide receiving catches. And maybe that's because Switzer had a, a big year last year, so everybody's trying to put their, you know, obviously top cornerbacks on him. But I just think the depth that they have at wide receiver and like they have had for a couple of years is is extremely impressive.
0: I agree. And when I saw you said you ECU, which is a good uh, example or a good comparison, Miami, with those athletic wide receivers, like I'm looking down this list. You've got Switzer and Hollins, and then there's Davis, who's got a couple touchdowns, almost 40 catches. Bug Howard, 400 yards, three touchdowns. And Brandon Fritz, their tight end, has three touchdowns. And these guys, other than Switzer, who's kind of a slighter guy, is 5'10", 185. These guys are 6'4", 6'4", 6'5", 6'4", and they're all 2'10 plus. I mean, this is a dangerous receiving core. And when you combine that with a... Quarterback who's completing nearly seventy percent of his passes, it can it, it could be a recipe for disaster for our secondary, and it, it, I'm I'm actually kind of nervous about this aspect of it. I I know Hood is very dynamic and very good, but we've always seemed to lock up the ball carriers other like mm-hmm. other other than the running quarterback, which is another problem with this offense. But these wide receivers against our young secondary, that's what's really starting to scare me. When I'm looking at the, when I'm just looking at the matchup on paper, yeah. Um, they also have, like just as a side note, and this game, I think it's, I actually think it's gonna be close, and we'll talk about our picks later. But they have a really good kicker, and with Joey Sly's recent struggles, like this guy might actually be better than Sly. Um, he hasn't missed an extra point all season, as most kickers don't. But Sly missed a very crucial one last game, and uh, they've kicked a lot of them because they've scored a lot of touchdowns. And uh, he's 16 for 18 uh, on field goals in general. So he's a good kicker, and uh, Nick Wheeler is his name. I just thought that was worthy of mentioning. But Hood and uh, also Logan from the running back position and these wide receivers and Williams and his dynamic ability to run and pass, we are in for a battle. Uh, And I think we're going
1: to – On the UNC offensive offensive side, yeah, we are in for – and we have – we have uh, players that have matured, but we have a lot of young, young guys that are, are in our backfield. I am scared, very, very scared about what these guys could do to them and what Marquise could do to them just on the offensive side. On I know, the defensive, and what do you think about we the We might have defensive? to play some keep away in this game. That's what yeah, I'm thinking. That.
0: It's like, and, that's what, like, that, and we might be able to do that and I, against this UNC defense. I mean, what do, they, what do they do well? What do they not do so well?
1: for for me i mean it's 120th against the rush that's not that's not good that's i, I remember there's what 128 teams in in FBS you know division 1 or you know FBS yeah they're, they're, yeah they're near the end i didn't believe it could be that actually that bad keep the ball on the ground uh, i know this is also not a repeat give it to McMillan and rush the ball down their throat. I their their stats on the on the defensive side of the ball on the ground are not great. Overall their defense is right in the middle of the pack. I think they are, you know, depending on what I you're looking at. Page sixty three. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. right in the middle. Um You know, 21st in points per game, but that, you know, that doesn't mean much. Uh, I think the the overall stats for them, their passing defense is actually a little bit better, but it's still middle of the road. So, this could be a shootout. I think that, you know, there are a couple players, and unless you want to go overall, uh, I think. Overall, let's take it from top down. I think we need to keep the ball on the ground. I think we need to grind it out. And I think their their rush defense is not very good whatsoever. And I think McMillan can go off for a lot of yards in this game without much risk. Because a pick here or a pick there could set this whole game astray. That could be really devastating.
0: I'm I'm in complete agreement. And you're right. We absolutely do need to keep this the ball on the ground for the most part. Because this D line is just pretty subpar. Now they've got some ball hawking defensive backs in Des Lawrence and MJ Stewart. Both of those guys are top ten nationally in broken up passes. And their their team as a whole is twenty-fourth in the country in interceptions per game. So yeah, you might want to keep the ball, you know, out of the air as much as you can. And also the the bad D line is evidenced by the fact that this team is 105th in sacks. They're barely getting one and a half per game, and they're 116th in tackles for loss per game with less than five. So this D line can be pushed around, and that's something we're going to have to concentrate on. Now I'm not saying we're not going to pass because I still expect Brewer to have like 20 25 passes. That's just the way Lawler rolls. You know he's you know that's what he's going to do. And Brewer had kind of an up-and-down game against Georgia Tech. But we know that Ford and Cam can get open on anybody. These DBs as a whole, as a unit, are going to be tough. I think this game, I think it could come down to Malik because while they've got good linebackers, I mean, you'll remember Shotmer from last year. He was a a terror for us. Uh, He's their third leading tackler. Uh, Their safety is actually their leading tackler, uh, Donnie Miles. And then they've got another uh, linebacker who's pretty nasty. He's got uh, four tackles for loss and two interceptions, uh, Shaquille Rashad. So between Shotmer and Rashad and their DBs, they're intercepting the ball a ton. They they drop their linebackers back into coverage a fair amount. Those guys, they have four TDs, four INTs combined between Shotmer and Rashad. I think Malik in tight windows, and he's very crafty, Malik is, I think he could be the guy that could be – who could go off in this game because Bucky, while he's obviously an athletic freak and has shown ability, you're not going to be able to use like the deep threat, quote unquote, that Bucky brings, although we haven't seen too much of it. And Bucky just doesn't have the surest hands or best route running. Malik, I think is someone we need to target in this game.
1: I agree. And I think this leads well into our keys to the game. And and I think we're, we're kind of there We've gone up against, I'm not worried about our offense. I don't know if you are, Pete, but I'm not worried about our offense. We've gone up against great defenses. We went up against BC. That's a great defense. You know, We went up against Duke. They have a really good defense. This is not a great or a defense right here. This is not one of the elite defenses in the ACC. So I'm not as worried about us scoring points. What I am deathly afraid of is them scoring a lot of points with the number of wide receivers and capable and talented wide receivers that they have, with Marquise Williams being, for all intents and purposes, a really, really solid quarterback. I'm less worried about us being able to score, whatever, 30 points, as I am worried about them being able to score like Ohio State did 42 points because that's <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah, I no, think we I'm, can I'm get to th- I think we can get to 30 I think we can get to you know what usually gets us look at the Georgia Tech game I know that was an away game but look what got us the win right it was what 24 or 23 20 24 23 21 yeah 23 21 right that's not going to win this game and no. <laughs> bud is good these this is an elite offense that you're going up against so we need to be up in the thirties. My question is: Is are they going to pull off in Ohio State and hit, you know, high thirties or forty points? And if that's the case, I don't think we can get up there. I, I haven't seen that ability yeah. for
0: us. I'm i I have it written down. Like, can we get to thirty five to forty? Because if we can get to thirty five to forty, we will definitely have a chance to win this game. If you can't get, if you can't get to thirty, you're not winning. Like, I, and I know that it makes our defense not bad, but like this team is going to throw up points. If you are making mistakes like we made against Georgia tech against this team, they'll drop 50 on us. No problem. Like you need to keep the ball away from them. Control the clock. Don't leave any points on the board. When you're in the red zone, you need to capitalize and right. you got to try to get to 35 to 40 points. Like that's, that's really what it comes down to from the defensive side. We need to be aggressive. Uh, I, we got to, you know, our assignments need to be sound again, like they were against Georgia Tech those last three quarters. I have the ultimate faith in, in Bud. I mean, this season is a testament to how good of a defensive coordinator he is almost more than any other year. I know he had a lot of talent going in, but it kind of fell apart. And he You're rebuilt right. it back up and has these last six games just turned it around, in-game adjustments, whatever you want to say. They've played well, at, very well. So we need another good game from the defense as a whole, but specifically matupuaka with Williams running, Moto can't have his his Jekyll game. You know, he needs to he needs to play as like just as on a high level as he did against Georgia Tech, as he did against NC State. And I'm just hoping that linebackers as a whole, he and Clark and some of Tremaine Edmonds, like they need to be on top of their game because with these wide receivers. With this quarterback with these running backs, they're gonna be called on a lot um I
1: think it's gonna fall a lot more on our cornerbacks and our you know you know it's gonna be the safety free safety cornerback game and this and that's what kind of frightens me so i I don't know if Moto can make the difference in 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 this game the The sad part is that this is gonna fall on our youth yeah, this you game falls right on our root our youth, which is and And that is a little bit of a scary proposition. But I think people are underestimating the energy that this team is going to put into this game. Because you look at Daddy's comments from today, he's ready to fall on a sword, like, for this game, for for Frank Beamer. I think... um, well, well, I think we should do a little quick segment and then we'll get into our picks on overall thoughts because I, I listen, I know you do, to a lot, of, a lot of the kind of national commentators, and I think your people are underestimating how much energy is going to be in Blacksburg for this game from the players, from the coaches, from everybody. So that might be a I, – I'd kind of like to talk about that for a minute if you don't mind.
0: Well, yeah, the stadium is going to be – although it's a noon game, as we mentioned – it's gonna be electric in there. It's just absolutely gonna be packed. People are gonna be so amped up. The team is gonna be amped up, and I I just hope that it's almost, you know, the you know you can get almost too excited and like you know <laughs> blow your wad for lack of a better term. And I was worried about that a little against Georgia Tech, and we actually kind of showed the opposite. Yeah. And we just need sustained level of energy for four quarters. And if we can do that, we can beat, I think we can beat just about any team in, in this, in the country. I mean, look what we were able to do against Ohio State with our starting squad when we were playing with energy. Like, we had the lead at halftime. Still so, pisses me off. <laughs> so, uh, I believe, I really do believe, these are, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. When properly motivated, they're, they're capable of beating just about anyone on any given day. And this UNC team, by no means, is that the level of the top, five teams in the country, if you ask me. They're beatable. They haven't been truly tested in a while. I mean, yeah, they played Pitt and but Pitt gave them trouble. I mean, they didn't go out and wipe the floor with Pitt. Like that was kind of a battle for most of the game. And I'd say we're not we're not like that much worse than Pitt. We're no we went to four overtimes with well Duke's not a good example because they killed Duke, but I feel like Duke's falling apart. I'm just trying to say his team's beatable. That's that's a long and a short of it. And with the energy in the stadium, with Brewer back at QB and hopefully getting in his groove now that he's got like three, four starts under his belt, I just hope we see the best Virginia Tech, the Virginia Tech we expected from the Ohio State game on in this yeah, game.
1: I agree. So my comment to this whole thing was going to be that there's a reason, you know, a lot of people that do um, – you know, national coverage, talk about what the spreads are. And when you don't under spread, understand the spreads, then you shouldn't be chirping on them. This is a six and a half point spread. I think that's what you have it at, too, right, Pete? Yep. six and a half points. You know why it's six and a half? Because that spread should be technically probably a 14 you know point spread or greater, given what UNC has done to their last two opponents against the Virginia Tech team there is going to be so much energy put into this game and what 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 makes me a little bit frustrated is when commentators nationally talk about how if UNC wins this game then they should have won this game that's not true like this is beamer's last game beamer's coming out but you think bud foster's not going to put his best stuff on the field for this game if you if you think that you're out of your mind and i'm not saying that we're going to guarantee win this game. What I am saying is UNC is about to get punched in the mouth with a lot of people that are going to about to play their hearts out. A lot of coordinators that are going to put their best stuff on the field. And it's 29 years in the making. So if UNC were to pull this game out, I think Pete, you would probably have a different perspective. The amount of energy, the amount of commotion that's going to be happening in the fan base what's going to be happening on the field in terms of player energy. Daddy Nicholas already came out and said, this is going to be the game that he's played the hardest he ever has in his entire life. I think people are going to see this game and hopefully enjoy it for what they will. And, you know, the passerby will just kind of look at it and look at the score. But I think there's going to be a lot of energy on this field and UNC knows it's coming and Virginia tech's about to deliver it and we'll see what happens with, technically a better team in UNC than Virginia tech. That is, I think that's fact at this point, but I think we could definitely level the playing field and pull off this win. Absolutely. And I think it's gonna be fun to watch.
0: I I hope so. And you know, I I'm sure that we're all in the same boat that when you're flipping by games on a Saturday and you see that stadium that like the fans are just going absolutely nuts and the players are feeding off of it and getting so hyped and you're like, man, I wish I was there. That looks amazing. That's what I expect when we turn on this game or when I'm, when I pop up my DVR with the, with the review of the game, that's what I'm expecting to see is that from, you know, like you said, the passerby watching is they're just like, wow, like that stadium is going off and that team has a much greater chance of winning because of it. And with that, I guess we should make our picks. And I, I guess after all that it'd be hard for us not to both pick Virginia Tech. Uh UNC is a six and a half point favorite. They're number seventeen according to the committee, and we are at home. And I'm taking tech. So I think I don't think I need to say anything more. If UNC came out and beat us by two touchdowns, I'd be I would be surprised. Not that it's not possible. I just think that this is gonna be a close game. It's gonna be close. Even if we don't win, I think we cover that six and a half.
1: So I guess it's over to me on my pick. This is this is tough because if you've been listening in, and even if you haven't been, I've been waffling back and forth all season on, picking us to cover, not to cover, all that kind of stuff, and hoping that it would do us well. Obviously, the results have been inconclusive, I think, Pete, as you would imagine. Uh, I think in this game, knowing what's going to happen with our players... I think we are, we are going to cover. Yeah, I think and we. I will. think
0: it's funny with you because you always you pick the games, but you're not really going with what you think is going to happen. Like you're you're picking like as a as a juju or a jinx or something that you're trying to avoid.
1: <laughs> That's what I've done most of this season. But I think in this game, for me, it's more emotionally driven, less than a juju or a jinx. It's emotionally driven. I think the players are going to come out the fans are going to come out, the uh, coordinators are going to come out, and I think Bud Foster is going to come out with a, a scheme that literally you know, rustles the feathers of this uh, UNC offense.
0: All right, well, I think this is a good point to ask you what you're drinking on your end.
1: Perfect. Uh, we're back to one other that we had touched on, an, another place in, I think we, it was one of our first or second episodes, the Hardywood. Uh, You know, and I think uh, this was came out of uh, a user or a listener, I guess, recommendation that we should try out some beers out of Richmond. It's called the uh, Capitol Trail Pale Ale. So it's not the same beer that we had last time. We didn't do a repeat, but it's Hardywood out of Richmond, Virginia, at a suggestion of one of our listeners that said we needed to try out some beers from Richmond. We've already done one, which I think it was the Great Divide. I think you bought it actually. And now we're trying out the Capital Trail Pale Ale. It's good. This is a more of a session type beer. Um, it's, not, it's not too heavy. It's like 5.6%. So in comparison to some of the double IPAs and things like that, that I usually drink, this is a, a nice kind of uh, coasting
0: beer that I like. I love the Hardywood uh, Brewery. It's awesome. They've actually got a really nice venue. I think I mentioned it last time. And yeah, that other Hardywood beer, that IPA we had, yeah, it was good. It was really good. I am actually drinking. I'm drinking a. uh, It's called a Bud Light, and uh, (laughs) I wait. Wait, what? I was. It was in the fridge. I, you know, like I said, I'm not in my normal setting, and I saw it in there, and it's one of like the NFL cans, and it's got the Eagles symbol on it, so since my eagles suck so bad i figured i'd, you know, drink their beer and maybe maybe give them a little bit of a uh, some good juju for this weekend. Let's rip through these last few ACC picks and then sign off cuz cuz i think we've we've definitely been going a little while on this. We had a lot to say about that UNC game. Let's get into the this game i i i don't think anyone's going to watch this game. It's GT at Miami. GT is a 2 point favorite. I mean, who the hell cares? I'm taking Miami, but GT's been playing a little bit better lately. They beat Florida State, but then they dropped to UVA. But then they play us tough. Who the hell knows? Miami. What do you think, Robbie?
1: Yeah, I'll go Miami on this as well, mostly because I think GT's going to give up after the loss to us. That that's a tough loss. They're out of bowl eligibility with the loss against us. So now I don't know there's going to be much energy on the field and yeah, I'll go Miami.
0: Alright, next game is Syracuse at NC State. NC State is a 17 point favorite. Yeah, 17. Hughes has been on the butt end of a lot of large spreads this year. We've I've taken them in two large ones. I, we both took them in the last one against Clemson, and we got that one. This being on the road, I I you could flip a coin with this one. Oh, man. I'm gonna take NC State. I'm taking them, even though it's 17 points, I'm just going to take state. Cuse has, has laid some eggs on the road, so I'm going to take state. What do you think?
1: Carrier Dome. That's when I go Q's. They took on LSU. They did it again last week with, what, Notre Dame? They Clemson, took on? Clemson. I mean, sorry, Clemson. They took them on. And I think they covered that as well. That carrier dome is just. I don't know. It's sucking yeah, in. It's, Raleigh but is not on the same. <laughs> on the road is where they drop their eggs, right? That's where they do not do very well. So I'm with you again. on. I'm going NC State on this because on they're not good on the road, but in the Carrier Dome, they are vicious.
0: I know. It's just so many points. I, I Like I said, I could flip a coin on that game. Anyway, Duke at UVA. UVA's two-and-a-half-point favorites, and um, I Didn't can't you take that UVA. think was a small spread? <laughs> I do I thought that was a small No, no. I thought I would think Duke would be favored even though they got their asses kicked by uh by this UNC team, like I still thought like they would be the favorite but sorry,
1: I had it backwards. I, I thought you Duke would actually be well ahead of UV... what yeah, is UVA. Yeah, UVA is proof?
0: favored two and a half in this game.
1: Yeah, what, because of the Georgia Tech game that they played I, I well in? That. They play good I defense. Mean,
0: I'll give it to you. Well, actually, statistically, they don't. So yeah. who cares? I'm taking Duke.
1: I'm taking Duke as well. Actually, right. I'm taking double Duke. I'm, I'm Lock it up. Uh, <laughs> hey, can you play our soundboard <laughs> <Yeah>, it Yeah, <up. laughs> I wish.
0: Lock of the week. Lock uh, of the week. Now, so the next game, we're both taking Duke. Next game is UL at Pitt. Uh, that's Louisville at Pitt, and Pitt is a two-point favorite. This is another one. Both these teams have good defenses. I expect a low amount of points, and I could see you know, it being a one- or two-point game. Uh, I'm going to take Pitt just because I don't have any faith in the Louisville offense, really. Uh, their defense is good, but so is Pitt's. So I'm going to take Pitt. Uh, at that point. This is another coin flip for me, but I'm going to take Pitt.
1: Oh, it's a coin flip because it's the third game in, what, five we've talked about that are two-point spreads in the ACC? It's this really is just no annoying normal. man. This yeah. is abysmal to try and – other conferences, at least you have, like, a decent spread you can – like, that's just a shootout.
0: Like, who knows? Yeah, you're basically having to pick a winner on that. And so I mean, I, that's I
1: mean, really dumb that the spreads are this close. I guess it, we need to tighten up in the ACC. I guess – I mean, screw it. I'll go pit as well. I think that one is that's a coin flip. I don't I don't know. That's yeah, I, I literally
0: put question marks next to the Q's, Duke and uh Louisville spreads this week cuz I was yeah. like I'm going to take cute I'm going to take NC State, Duke and Pitt, but like it could easily go the other way on all three.
1: This next, next one's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, I like this one. This is uh BC at Notre Dame in Fenway. Uh, that's kinda cool. They're gonna play a football game in Fenway Park. And Notre Dame, number four, and in the in the playoff as we stand today, uh, is sixteen and a half point favorites. I'm actually gonna go with Notre Dame because I like BC's defense, but their offense is so bad and Notre Dame's defense is very, very good. Like BC might not score a point, and I definitely think that Notre Dame's gonna get seventeen points or more. So I'm gonna go Notre Dame. Yeah. I think
1: BC Yeah, the most there's BC scoring in this game is 7, right? I think we both agree on that. So, will Notre Dame score more than what is that 23 and a half score? No, yeah, sense. then I'll take the over. Uh, I or sorry, I'll go with uh Notre Dame definitely uh, on that because they're I mean, that's absolutely we keep agreeing on score.
0: this. We keep agreeing. And I think we might have one last game that we're both going to agree on, too. And it's Wake at Clemson. And Robbie had the ultimate quote last week. I, w- I, <laughs> I wish I could play it back. Well, I might even put it, if we put some quotes in our beginning, kind of like the solid verbal does, Like it might have to go in there. Because what did you say? Every time, every time you have some, a, a gut call, you go with your gut and it says Wake Forest.
1: <laughs> My gut says Wake Forest because the spreads have been so wide this year i'm going with wake again this is a 29 point
0: spread it's insane uh it's 29 points i know clemson's damn good they're number one but Wake's defense Wake's defense is like right next to ours on the uh in terms of total defense like they're top 20 basically so it's that's a good defense and if you're if you're giving me that like i don't think this game i don't think it's gonna be like I could be forty to 10 though. Like it yeah, really, could really could be. Well, I think <laughs> I what's know. going to be funny is I haven't run this by you
1: yet, but now all our listeners are going to get it is I'm going to make a t-shirt. It's going to have a quote on the back and it's going to go whenever whenever I have to choose it's it's always going to be wake. I mean, that's what <laughs> it's going to be on the point spread. It's always going to be wake. And it's worked. I think they've covered I we would have made a lot. I of tried money to by look now. it up
0: today how many times they covered. I couldn't I couldn't actually find it because obviously the spreads change depending on the service or whatever. But like, I swear they must've covered like, like eight out of 10 of their spreads or something. It's been yeah, ridiculous. I,
1: underdog has been, uh, just making it happen. So, uh, we're going to finish things up with, I'm going to call an audible on, on you, Pete. Uh, sure. I got to finish off unless you do. You didn't have a college story time, right?
0: No, man. In fact, you're up. So go for I'm me.
1: up. I'm up. Uh, so we're gonna finish off college story time. I'm just hoping my wife doesn't get home from work before I, I finish this because it's a, a not a bad story, but just in she'll interrupt it. So here's here's the uh the, the trilogy, the the final um enactment of of the three part series that I had going with our friend Brandon. His name's Brandon, all right, so let's just get past that. So we we talked about him getting you know, um, stuff in his eye and then having to call up poison control, the dart in the foot, uh, how he used to change the channels with his toes and sit around, and smoke cigarettes all day. I think the final is uh, less in your face, but actually just as funny. Brendan came back, as you know, he lived with us in college and he used to kind of, you know, sleep on the couch. He had a room for a while and uh, we all grew up in northern Virginia. Brendan actually went to the same high school I did, and another one of our friends who Pete knows um, went to the same high school. And he went home for whatever break. It might have been Thanksgiving break. I'm guessing it was Christmas break where, you know, you pack up all your stuff, uh, and then you go home and you spend, you know, your Christmas break at home and then come back to school. So he got got back, and— Um, he was in another car that I didn't really recognize. He used to have one of those, you know, those Acura, like hatchbacks that they have. What, what were those things called? Like the white ones with like the two RSX or something like that. Yeah. But no, before that, the really old school ones, but Integra. yes, yes. He had Integra and it was all white and he showed up in like his parents' car. So he walks into our apartment. We're all getting settled again to get back for second semester. And, it wasn't his car. So I figured, you know, something happened. And I said, you know, Brendan, what's happening? What happened with your car? And he said, funny story. We'll talk to you about it when we get beers later that night. So we go out for beers. We're all back at school. And I said, what, what the hell happened to your car? Long story short, here's the reenactment of it. He was back in Northern Virginia he was actually living in a townhouse near like one of his like with his brother for a while. Moved all his stuff in there. He didn't want to live with his parents because he felt like he was too old. And then he had a dog that he used to walk around. Remember I mentioned with the speaker cord. He he started packing up his car to head back to Virginia Tech at school. So he packs up the car. He's making trips like loading up an uh, Integra, an Acura Integra, which isn't very big, which shows you how much stuff he had. And he's loading up the car, loading up the car. Finally, he loads up the last thing in the car. Last thing you always do if you load up cars, you go get the dog. So he goes back inside, gets the dog, puts the dog on the speaker wire, and walks the dog back out to the car, puts the dog in the back seat. And it wasn't until that moment that he realized that the night before somebody had broken into his car and stole out his two front seats. So he had loaded the entire (laughs) car without front seats in the car without noticing until the very end when he put the dog in, he took a step back and he was about to get in the car and there was no front seats. That's like how in the zone or out of the zone you want to call it. Somebody can be in life that, he had no I don't two know if in the teams. zone's
0: the right word. Like in La La Land sounds like yes, it. But I, I how did he him. drive it? How did he, drive? he didn't
1: drive. That's why he took his parents' car because he didn't oh, have a okay, car. Okay. So next call was to the insurance agency. Oh, my car seats got stolen. And this was like back in the day with like, you know, Honda, you were stealing car seats and stuff like that. Like, you know, worth all a all that of money. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. That's pretty so funny though. he managed to pack his entire car with not paying attention to the fact that the two front seats were gone.
0: <laughs> That's pretty impressive. And this guy is has a child that now uh, which...
1: two now, I think he has two children.
0: Well, that's scary. That's scary. <laughs> I know. This, no, I impressive. like that. That's, that's pretty great. Um, well, I guess we should sign off and make sure that you always check us out on Twitter. We're at 2dvt and email us any questions, 2dvt at gmail.com. And if you could, you know, write us a review on iTunes. We would much appreciate it. Uh, those are very important to getting our name out there and everything else. So write us a review. We, it would be awesome. It only take a couple of minutes. And so if you can do that, it would be great. We're both going to be down at Tech. I know. I'm pumped. I'll see you on Friday down there. And I hope we take it to these UNC Tar Heels, man. I really do.
1: We're going until We have to. We I, have to. Yeah.
0: We need this we need this one for bowl eligibility. We don't maybe we'll get it against UVA, but this last home game we want real bad. We will do a UVA preview or recap this game next week and until then, go Hokies.